Brooks Poetry Centre monthly podcast. I'm Neil Munro. These podcasts will feature recordings of poetry readings and discussions about poetry from events held at the centre and around Oxfordshire. Our first podcast also inaugurates a series entitled Oxford Poets, in which local writers read and discuss one of their poems. The poet featured in this episode is Claire Cox. Claire has been writing poetry for several years and is a member of Miscellaneous, a women's poetry group based in Oxford. She's currently studying for an MA in Creative Writing at Oxford Brookes. Tolstoy at a stop of a station, the poem which Claire reads and discusses here, was awarded first prize in the 2011 Barnard Arts Council Open Poetry Competition, judged by the poet Christopher North. You can read the poem at the Poetry Centre website. Just visit ah.brooks.ac.uk forward slash poetry and navigate to the podcast's page. Tolstoy at Astabova Station. A graphite line, impulsive as fever, flees down tracks of iron, six hundred miles to slice through winter, the distance of escape. His breath clatters hard, rhythmic, inhale, exhale, blood-soaked lungs suck hot soot in the third-class carriage, cradled by peasants' murmurings and the schisms of children. For the love of God on earth, just one breath without a wife, no matter how brief, lights in the night. The iron frame of a borrowed bed under a birch-pale roof, stout walls red as revolution, kerosene dark. His hand scrawls across the diary, empty across the sheets, writing his private pencil line, its grey thread spools through telegraph wires to all Russia. He cannot go unnoticed. Acolytes and enemies gather in the woods, in his veins camphor and morphine. In the frowning candlelight, his wife, her love tight as a snare, counts his battered breath. Inspire, expire, forbidden masses sing a forbidden mass. A graphite line on the station master's wall traces bedstead, forehead, beard, clasped hands, a writer's outline, empty above as below, floats on ochre posies. Thank you, Claire. Can you tell us a bit about the inspiration for the poem? The inspiration behind this poem was actually a, a sort of visual prompt. I was um, got a book called Seeing Gardens, which is a big uh, book of photographs by a photographer called Sam Abel. And I was just flicking through it. There are lots of gorgeous pictures in, and this one didn't look very prepossessing. It's just a picture of some decaying old wallpaper. And then when I looked at it more closely, there was an outline in pencil and I looked at the script that went with it, and it turned out to be the outline of Tolstoy, which had a little bristly beard, and it was against this um, kind of turn-of-the-century wallpaper, and it struck me as just an, an amazingly arresting image. So my curiosity was aroused, um, 
So I researched it further, got some biographies out, found out that the actual story was outrageously interesting and sort of uh, gleaned bits and pieces. So it was, it was a cross between sort of harvesting biographies. I think I used the Aylmer Maud, Life of Tolstoy. Skip through it, didn't bother with his early life because that was far too much like hard work, so I cut straight to the chase. And then just got increasingly fascinated by the, the man and the story and the things that struck me. Something like being injected with camphor and morphine. I mean, that's just absolutely arresting in itself. Now, you're a student on the MA in Creative Writing programme here at Oxford Brooks. Could you tell us how the course has helped you to refine and revise the poem? I took advantage of the workshopping, so brought a draft to the group to workshop and had lots of extremely constructive input. Uh, the suggestion to break it into sort of almost three acts came from that, and the suggestion to italicise almost the quote, the pretend quote almost from Tolstoy uh, came from that as well, so very much shaped by that process. In terms of breaking it down into three acts, I think I think it was a kind of pragmatic suggestion by Jane Yeh, who was the workshop leader. It's almost like it, it helps orient the, the reader a bit more than having this splurge, because clearly there's a timeline to it, and it sort of indicates the breaks in the in the timeline, and, and it also gives it that whiff of the three-act play, slightly epic three-act tragedy, yes. Tolstoy is clearly a very significant presence in the poem. What impression did you get of him towards the end of his life? My sense of him was that he was a, a deeply privately spiritual guy and he was trying to enact his own spiritual code and it, it just wasn't wasn't working. I think I think there was a difference between his view of himself and what other people took him for, which which I think probably baffled him a bit as well. So there was an awful lot going on in terms of the external and the internal and, and uh, I think that's what I was trying to get get over. I mean there was a bit in the biography which says he's he was so fevered and so poorly and, and actually his hand just kept writing over nothing because he was trying to get it all out and there was all these sort of hostility and um, conflicted um, factions around him. It was deeply factionalised and um, he was there in the middle of it. The key extended image in the poem is that of the graphite line. I wonder if you could explain what role or roles you see the line playing in the poem. I think the image of the graphite line, I mean clearly the, it, it comes from the, the physical line on the, the wall uh, and I, I, I like the idea or this, this kind of symbolism of making marks whether that's metaphorical or, or real and I th always think that that's quite an interesting action in itself um, and, and a kind of inherent search for meaning. Um, so the sense of the graphite line, and then if you can, then if you think visually, graphite line, railway lines, um, the, the telegraph wires seem to be another kind of line, um, and and that all, that seemed to be kind of subliminal throughout, in that sense of writing. So, um, and I also, for me, it's also almost like like um, cheese cutter is that a line can be something that's like a garrote almost which kind of so the line is inherent in the snare kind of image as well the last part of the poem contains only one stanza uh, whereas the first two have three stanzas each what effect were you trying to create by putting the poem together like this i wanted to get to what seemed to be the kind of almost horrific sense of mortality of us actually of us all that the arguably the world's greatest 
writer was reduced to a kind of scribble and even if in a strange stranger's bed so if that's the fate of somebody that profoundly talented and and powerful then we are that, that's all we are maybe so it's a cross between uh, describing the image and uh, so that the graphite line I struggle for ages with wall or wallpaper because wallpaper for me made sense of the posies for the reader but on the other hand it was too, just too long um, so I sacrificed my paper unwillingly and uh, and slightly shortened the list of things that were outlined and then that just seemed to sum up a writer's outline what's it doing there's no substance to it it's empty above us be below and what's it doing all it is is just there on the surface of some old wallpaper this has been really fascinating Claire thank you I wonder if we could conclude by looking at how this poem fits into your other work I was interested in artists actually so I did a little series of three which was looking at artists in older life so looking at Monet and the notion of his his deteriorating eyesight looking at Goya and his deteriorating mental health those amazingly grotesque things that he the house of the deaf man so that sense of deterioration and also de Kerning who had dementia in later life so I was kind of interested at, at the end of greatness the end of how uh, greatness decays so this chimed absolutely when I saw that I went oh end of a great writer let's thematically I'm kind of interested in in that area so so yeah hopped hopped art form rather than anything else with that but um, hugely talented people and and mortality I think is very interesting it's jealousy really many thanks to Claire Cox and thank you to you for listening to this first Poetry Centre podcast the theme music for the podcast entitled Leaving for the North was composed by Aniron Reese and played by Aniron Reese on guitar and Rosalie Tribe on violin. You can find out more about Aniron's work on the podcast page on the Brooks Poetry website. Just navigate to ah.brooks.ac.uk forward slash poetry and find the podcasts page. On the website you can also sign up for the weekly poem service to receive a free contemporary poem in your inbox every Monday. You can get in touch with us via the website or find us on Facebook or on Twitter. Just search for at Brooks Poetry. Mm-hmm.